What's going on, Victory Church? How you doing? We had to do a little bit better than that. Good morning, Victory Church. How you doing? There we go. My name is Troy. Me and my wife, Darla, get, let me get this Aladdin's rug out the way for a minute. Uh, me and my wife, Darla, get the incredible privilege to pastor this church. And if you're visiting with us this morning, we want to say welcome. Thank you for being a part of what God's doing right here in Smyrna, Tennessee. Uh, I just got to brag for a second. We launched our first small group Wednesday night. Then we had our second small group last night. And tonight we'll launch three more small groups. And I have heard nothing but great things. So come on, let's put our hands together <coughs> on what God's doing. We got groups meeting all over the area tonight, including our youth, our student group meeting tonight. And so I'm pumped about that, excited about that. Um, God is just doing great things. So listen, if you are not signed up for a small group on the app, that Brian and Malcolm were talking about, grab that, check it out, go look at some small groups, figure out which one works for you, get signed up, go attend one tonight or be planning to attend one in the next couple weeks and be a part of that incredible ministry. I want to take a moment and I want to celebrate something that I haven't really been able to uh, bring attention to and I want to do it this this, uh, morning. As as the church continues to grow, you're going to continue to see more and more people finding their leadership area and finding responsibility. And and my favorite thing about it, taking responsibility off of me and being able to kind of free me up to do what I love to do, which is to be with you, to be able to communicate vision, communicate God's word as we move forward to being impactful in this area. And one one of the guys that has been extremely helpful to me since kind of the launching of the church is Brian Hogwood, who y'all just saw up here a moment ago with all the tattoos. Um, Brian comes from 13 years of ministry, and so he, he has uh, uh, credentials. He's, he's, he's a credentialed reverend, and he has played since day one the role of executive pastor for me, and it has just been incredible. You guys, I'm sure, have dealt with him in some shape, form, or fashion, and I just kind of want to take a moment and just, number one, acknowledge that, celebrate it, and say that we are going to officially uh, put him in that role this morning as executive pastor of Victory Church. So we just give him a hand real quick. We're excited for that. That kind of allows him to come in and take on different authorities and be able to, to reach out and help you in ways that I may not be able to. And so you're going to hear me call him Pastor Brian, and he's in that role. So listen, he, he works the logistics so I can focus on the vision. So if you need anything, holler at him. He'll be able to help you. Amen? Amen. If you got your Bibles, open up to the book of Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1. We have been in a series, like they said, called The Greatest Show, where we have been looking at Jesus Christ. If you have your Bibles, great. If you don't, you can pull out your phone. You can Google Mark chapter 1 on the app or the notes for the message. And of course, the sermon would be, or the scriptures would be behind me on the screen. In this series, we're looking at the message and the mercy and the method and the miracles and the mindset and the manhood of Jesus Christ. And I'm so excited. Obviously, we look at Jesus every Sunday morning, but when you take series and just really focus on Jesus, you have the opportunity to kind of see different attributes of him, and it kind of opens up your mind to who Jesus really was and what he is really about. And we talked about last week, when you look in the New Testament, Jesus was irresistible. Everywhere he went, people would follow him. And what was funny is we said most of the time it was people who were nothing like him that were following him and wanted to be a part of his life. And I just kind of asked the question, I said, hey, if Jesus was so irresistible, how come it seems like his church today is so resistible, right? If Jesus is irresistible, how come his church seems to be resistible? And I just said, maybe, just maybe, we have become so infatuated and focused on the show that at some shape, form, or fashion, we've miscommunicated his message. 
and that maybe just maybe we've gotten away from what Jesus was about. And here's what we said last week. We said that Jesus' message was grace. That's what Jesus' message was, grace. And here's kind of the message of grace, is that you and I inherit the kingdom of God, not because we're good, but because we're his, right? So that's grace. You and I inherit the kingdom of God, not because you and I are good, but because we are his. And so that's kind of the message of grace or the message of Jesus. And I want to talk to you this morning just real quick about the methods of Jesus, the methods. When you follow Christ in the New Testament, you see him do all kinds of crazy stuff, right? You know the story where he walked in and flipped tables in the synagogue, or you know the story where he spit in the dirt and put mud on the guy's eyes and healed his eyes. Or There's just all kinds of crazy stories where he walked on water. <coughs> he just always did weird things. And, and, and it was so weird that when he started doing them, for example, healing on the Sabbath, they kind of got the attention of the other religious leaders of that day because his methods were just different. And I believe his methods are important because I believe he understood that his methods help communicate his message. And so that's what we're going to look at. We're just going to look at one method this morning. We're not going to look at all of them, just one. Mark chapter 1, verses 40 through 45. And we're just going to read those five verses and break those down throughout the rest of our time together. And here's what it says. A man with leprosy, everybody say leprosy, came to him, him is Jesus, and begged him on his knees. If you are willing, you can make me clean. I wonder how many times we pray a prayer starting that way, if you're willing, if you're willing. God, if, if it's your will, would you do this? says Jesus was indignant, and he reached out his hand, and he touched the man. I am willing, he said. I felt like just preaching that. He's willing. But there it is. That's just kind of that message for this one. He, whatever it is you're praying for, he's willing. And then he said to the, to the leper, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning. See that you don't tell this to anyone. So I've healed you, but don't tell this to anyone. And we talked a couple weeks about a couple weeks ago about why Jesus would do something like this. He said, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. But instead, the leper went out. And begin to talk freely, spreading the news. And as a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed outside in lonely places. So Jesus, in this particular situation, what Jesus has been doing, if you've ever heard of the Sermon on the Mount or the Beatitudes, Jesus has been on a mountainside teaching. He's preaching the best sermon that's ever been preached, okay? So he's preaching that message, and after he gets done preaching, he runs into a leper, a man with leprosy. It was an infectious disease, and he has this interaction with this man, and we get to see a method by which Jesus reacts. And that's what I want to talk about just for a moment this morning. But let me ask this question. Anybody in here a germaphobe? Anybody in here, you just, you germaphobe, you know what I'm talking about? You, you carry like the little packet of hand sanitizer with you everywhere you go. Some of you got the utility belt, you got the pump action hand sanitizer. You know, you're just ready. You, would, you, you, you fist bump instead of shaking hands. You just, you just don't like germs. You would have lost your mind around a leper back in the day. It would have been crazy. Uh, theologians say that when they would walk into areas, people would like grab their kids or turn around and walk the other way because it was so contagious. It was infectious. 
I actually was reading that they believed that it could, it, it, you could get it from, like, it would get on someone's couch or it would get on the walls in someone's house. And so it wasn't just by touch or, or by breath. It, it, they actually believed it could, it could transfer through furniture. And so this was a big deal. You would have lost your mind if you're a germaphobe and all of a sudden in walked a leper. And so let me explain to you kind of what leprosy is because we don't quite interact with it daily in our culture. So if you were to see someone with leprosy, number one, they would have boils on their skin. They would have rashes on their skin. It says that certain skin would begin to fall off. It says that their uh, extremities would begin to fall off, and then they would eventually lead to death. And so that kind of gives you a picture of what someone would look like if they had leprosy. Now, in Leviticus chapter 13, you'll find rules that were put in place for you if you had leprosy on how to act on a normal basis. So if someone thought you had leprosy, you would go to the priest, which is what that verse was talking about. You would kind of get uh, a physical, right? You get a daily physical and get checked out. And if you had leprosy, then you went on about your way, but you had to follow these rules. And so in Leviticus 13, you see all these rules. I'm going to give you some of them. One of them is you had to live alone. So if you have leprosy, you can't live with your spouse. You can't live with your kids. You have to live alone. On top of that, Scripture says you had to live outside of the camp. All right? So let me explain to you what that means. It's not, in other words, it's not like you are, your, your, your family's in a tent and you're making your bed outside of the tent. You had to get outside of the camp. All right? You had to get in the woods. You had to get away from people. So listen to me. If you had a child, gone are the days of you kissing your child goodnight. Gone are the days of you holding your baby Gone are the days of you smooching your spouse. Gone are the days of you hugging and watching movies. Like, all that's gone. You had, to, If you had leprosy, you had to get out, right? And I'm not talking about the movie. You had to get away, okay? You had to get away from everybody. Here's another thing. You had to wear torn clothes. So clothes with holes in it and pieces falling off. You had to wear that. You couldn't wear regular clothes. You had to go to H&M or Forever 21, right, and get you some holy clothes to wear around. Another thought. You had to have unbrushed hair. Unbrushed hair. You couldn't brush your hair. So I'm reading this, and I'm like, man, check this out. You had to live alone. You had to wear torn clothes, and you had to have unbrushed hair. Today's leper is the millennial. Did you catch it? It's modern-day leprosy, y'all. H&M is just funding all lepers. There we go right there. Torn clothes, unbrushed hair. Okay, anyway. <coughs> so, so you had to have unbrushed hair. And, and probably the reasoning, so you know, is because here's a, let me explain a couple other things, and I'll tell you why the untorn clothes and the unbrushed hair. So you had to cover your upper lip, all right? Look at your neighbor and say, cover your upper lip. I just gave you a good excuse to let them know they breast thing. There you go, right, 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 right? Cover your upper lip. So you had to cover your upper lip because they didn't want the saliva to be able to get, you know, as you spoke. And then they would say, whenever you'd enter a place, you had to do this unclean. Unclean. So, so if you were coming to church today and you had leprosy, you would have had to come in, torn clothes, messed up hair, covering your lip, walking in going, unclean, unclean, letting people know you've got leprosy. The reason why I think the torn clothes and the hair is in case you were not being obedient and you weren't saying unclean, unclean, or maybe you said it and nobody heard it, they could see you and go, oh boy, here comes a leper. Another fact that I thought was interesting is you had to do your best to keep 50 paces away from the closest person. Imagine that. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. From where I was to now, it's ten paces. 
So you do that times five, and you were not legally allowed to be any closer to an individual. The whole concept of leprosy was isolation. It was just isolation. You were isolated from everybody. You couldn't be around anybody. You, 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 you were put aside from every person. And once you were diagnosed, you were now called a leper. So your name might have been Bob or Timmy or Amber. Or, sorry, Amber. But now you're just leper. Notice in the verses we read, you don't get the man's name. So once you're diagnosed, watch this, your identity becomes your issue. And the message becomes, you don't belong here. Recently, we took our kids to the Wilson County Fair. And Casey Ray is three and Veda's eight. Casey Ray is about yay tall. And so <clears throat> we went with this couple, Dallas and Megan, and we're going to the fair. And, and Dallas had gotten the girls the little bracelets where they could ride all the rides. And I'm about to just let you in a little bit on your pastor, and please don't judge me. Um, and so we didn't really want to ride all the rides with the kids. So we got one adult bracelet, and we attached it real loose, you know what I mean? And so we could get it off our arms, and whoever wanted to ride with the kid, we just gave it to them and said, here, you go ride with the kid. All right, don't let that out. And so, um, so that was the process. And so we, we would go to rides, and Veda, she's really tall for her age, so she pretty much got to ride every ride. And Casey would come up to a ride because she's wanting to ride with her, her big sister. And a lot of times the ride was too short, you know, or she was too short. And so we would find the few rides that she could ride, and we'd just ride them over and over and over. Now you understand the bracelet. Like, I'm not riding that for the 10th time. You ride it. And, and so we got we spent two or three or four or five or 20 hours. I don't know how long it was. Long time. And we're getting ready to leave, and we're walking out, and we passed this last ride on the end. It's a roller coaster. It's a little kitty roller coaster. And Casey Ray's like, I want to ride that, I want to ride that. And so we're like, Megan, you get to do it, you know. And so we give it to Megan and teach y'all to go to the fair with us. And so they go, and, and Casey Ray, she's all excited, and I'm kind of worried inside, like, is she going to be tall enough for this? And she gets up there, and sure enough, like, just barely tall enough, like it's right here at her forehead. So she's all excited, yeah, I get to ride it, I get to ride it. And so her and Veda and Megan go get on the roller coaster, and me and Dallas and Darla just kind of standing watching. We're exhausted, it's like 11 o'clock at night. And we're watching them go on the roller coaster. Wee, wee. And I'm just watching Casey Ray's face because I'm like, this is a little extreme for a three-year-old. So I'm watching her, wee, wee. And I notice she's talking. If y'all met her, she is a talker, right? She's a talker. I don't know where she gets it from. But she's a talker. And so she's talking to Megan, talking to Megan. And so finally they get off the ride and Megan gets off and Megan is laughing. And she walks up to us like, what's so funny? And she goes, on one of those turns, Casey Ray looked at me and she said, maybe I shouldn't be this tall. She was like, look, maybe I don't belong here, right? Maybe, maybe that was a mistake. And what a lot of times happens, listen, is we get issues, and we let those issues identify us, right? And then we start to think we don't belong. When grace is absent from our lives, then we can't help but let our issue identify us. And once you let your issue identify you, you can't help but believe, but believe that you don't belong. Probably one of the most interesting things about leprosy in that day was this, is that a leper could go to church. Think about that. A leper was allowed in the synagogue. He could go to church. But if he went to church, there was a special screen that he had to sit behind. So this is how, number one, this is how common leprosy was. So they would have like a special screen set up, right? We'll just pretend this is it. And I've never done this before. <clears throat> and they would come to church, and they could attend church, but they had to be behind the screen. So like... I can't see you, and you can't see me, because I can be in church, 
but I can hide my issues. Oh, Jesus. I can be in church with you, and I can hear the message, but you can't see my issues. Because I'm hiding. Let's try it like this. This might work out well, too, since we're in the greatest show. So I'm here, but look, you can't see my issues, right? So what we learned is that we can even be in the presence of God and yet hide behind a screen, and nobody knows what we struggle with. Or better yet, let me see your phone real quick, bro. Better yet, we can be in issues and hide behind a screen. You know what I'm talking about? You got friends who post up all the time, God's so good, and the next time you see them, they're complaining. Right? I ain't blessed, I am too blessed to be stressed. And the next time you see them, like, why are you so stressed? Because they got issues, but they're hiding behind a screen. Thank you. So we can have issues, but hide behind a screen. Now listen, we don't, Pastor Brian, where are you at? We're about to, if, if we're going to make you, uh, if we're going to officially make you executive pastor, I'm about to use you then. All right, so come up here for a second. <clears throat> we don't really have modern day leprosy. We do. There's diseases out there that people would categorize as leprosy. But if you really do the Greek study of the leprosy that was being taught then and the leprosy that we're referring to now, they're, they're drastically different, Okay. But even though it's existing, it's not very common in our culture. Someone do, you, do me a favor. Put that shirt on, all right, because I like your, your hoodie that you got on. What you're going to do in a minute, I'm going to start naming some stuff off, and you're going to take paint out of this, and you're going to wipe it all over the shirt. So just kind of squirt it in your hand. I got you some gloves in case you didn't want to get. And so uh, Tim has graduated from this ministry. He, 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 is, he is done with it. Taking off the shoes. Look. He's, 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 never mind. All right. So when I say it, take it, put it in your hand. All right. <laughs> this is not a physical, you know what I mean? Uh, so, so put this in your hand, and then when I talk about it, so I'll talk about one, rub one color, all that. Cool? So we'll start, start with that one. All right. So, so let's just start talking about some issues, because we don't really struggle with modern-day leprosy necessarily. I don't, I've never heard any of you go, man, I've got this leper that I work with. Like, I've never heard that. But you've got issues. So let's just go through some issues. Number one would be legalism, right? This, this, is that, this is tradition. This is religion. Some of us are so caught up in our legalism, our issue, that we begin to become distant from Jesus, right? You can put way more than that. I want the whole bottle, the whole bottle. Yep, here, step on this rug. Malcolm cared for you. He put that a whole bottle. Here we go. That's going to be all right. So, so, so legalism, right? You, you met people that are so caught up in, come on, a whole bottle. I want the whole bottle. Uh, you caught up in tradition, uh, religion, and, and so it's kind of keeping them distant or they're isolating them from the real Jesus or even from other people. What about envy? Anybody ever, hear, ever been envious of those around you so much that you begin to resent those that are around you, right? You're envious. Come on now. Get it on. There you go. There you go. Get it good. Get it real good. And so, <laughs> I'm not enjoying this or anything. Uh, so, so there's envy. Well, what about performance? Anybody in here, you struggle with trying to, to uh, match up to those that are around you? And so you constantly find yourself in shame over yourself because you're trying, to, you're trying to match up. You're trying to catch up with those around you. You see the performance of those you work with. All right, this is, this is huge in the church when you get pastors who are trying to perform like other pastors. It's a huge process. What about as a spouse, when you start trying to perform like other spouses? Or a parent, you ever questioned yourself in performance as a parent? 
I do it all the time. When I see people who are not beating their kids, I'm like, how do they do that? I'm just kidding. It's not true. But, I, you know, I, I battle with the performance, right? So it's an issue that we face. What about racism? Nobody wants to talk about that. It's an issue that we face today. And, and racism has a lot of action like leprosy because in leprosy, when people came around, they would grab their kids and pull them tight. Or they would see them and walk the other way. And I wonder how many people, when they're fighting racism, that's their reaction when they see someone, right? Because it's an issue of today. Keep it up. Keep it up. You, you still got it. There you go. All right. So or obligation. Obligation. I've got to do. I'm a people pleaser, right? You're a people pleaser. I always got to please people. always got to do. I'm saying yes. The Bible says let your yes be yes and your no be no. Some of us, the best ministry we could ever do is to learn how to say no, because we're people pleasers. Now, don't start saying no here, but, but because we're people pleasers. You know what I mean? Um, next would be uh, sexuality. This, this is, I actually heard somebody say that they believe homosexuality is the leprosy of today. And so, so many people are dealing with this issue, right? This issue. And then yearning. Let's talk about yearning, which is what I would say your appetite or your addiction. And so, all of these things are, are issues that tend to isolate us from either Jesus or other people. And I don't know if you see it, but we've created our own what? Leprosy. We've created our own version of leprosy. Could you imagine? If we had to wear our issues on the outside today, could you imagine if you looked like this when you had issues, right? You're just walking through the mall, all, you know, and everybody just gets to see all of your junk. What if we had to walk and announce it wherever we go, right? So what if you showed up at Hobby Lobby and you were like, Pinterest attic, you know what I mean? What if you had to like call it out, like out loud, you had to just, you had to just say it, you know? Like, oh my goodness, you just had to just state what your problem was. What would that be like for us? If we had to call out our issue, could you? what would it be like if you, every day when you went somewhere, had to verbally speak your issue? Imagine if we set you strategically by your issue. You know what I mean? Like, you've got a porn problem. We're going to put you all right here. You know what I mean? Could you imagine that concept? But no, what are we able to do? We're able to hide our issues. And so even though... This is what we look like. Come here, follow me for a second. Once again, we can come. I'll, I'll, I'll open the curtain for you. So come back here. So even though we're in church, oh, <laughs> intelligence. Um, even though we're at church with all of our issues, here, come over here. We're standing in front of the screen. Even though we're at church, right, all of our issues, but you can't see them because we can hide them. Stay right there, B. Pastor Brian, I'm sorry. Stay right there. So even though, look, he's here. He is here. He is here. He's in church. Look at him. But you can't see any of his issues because he's learned how to hide them. But yet in secrecy, his identity has become his issues. Pastor Brian, come here for a second. Come out in your most creative way. However did you do it? I feel like I'm on a magic trick or something. All right. So, so I'm reading this, and I'm like, man, this is the average person struggling with my issues, and if we're not careful, and, and, and well, let me, let me rephrase that. If the message of Jesus becomes miscommunicated, then we start to believe, listen to me, that our issues make us untouchable. So here's what some people think Jesus is like, that when Jesus walks in our life, he's like this. 
hey, oh, hey, all right, don't, don't want to get any of your issues on me, you know what I mean? And so this is the understanding of religion and, and Jesus, that Jesus, Jesus kind of would rather you clean yourself up a little bit and then he'll embrace us, right? Like I'd much rather you just kind of, if you could just fix that, if you could get that figured out, then come see me, then I can embrace you. And the miscommunicated message of Jesus is that we have to get cleansed before he would embrace us. And we've seen him for years. I don't know about you, but I grew up for years thinking Jesus was like, here we go, all right. Right, and so, so, so do this for me. Okay, I, I counted this off earlier. If you go this way and walk around, see where Jimmy's sitting? If you stand right by Jimmy, that's 50 paces. So one, two, three, four. I counted it earlier, so I make sure we're right. So 50 paces. I know I can't do a straight line because we wouldn't even be in the building. So, so you go around, come around, 50 paces. So watch this. So I'm reading this story, and I get to Mark 1, verse 40, and it says that a man with leprosy came to him. Pretty simple. Okay? So here's my picture. Jesus on the mountainside preaching the Beatitudes, preaching the Sermon on the Mount, and here comes, don't move, here comes this leper walking to Jesus, right? And Jesus is just up here, come to me, thy children, all who are weary and heavy laden. And, you know, I mean, and then this leper is just doing all he can. And I'm like, man, do you know he would have went to jail or maybe even been killed if he would have got that close to Jesus? 50 paces. If he would have got 35 and someone would have caught him, look, Peter was cutting ears off for all kinds of stuff. Peter would have just jacked him. You know what I'm talking about? Would have just entered the throne. He's done. Just right there in front of everybody. So this would have been a big deal. And I'm like, man, that's so risky. And here's what it did. It made me start thinking about the leper. And I'm like, man, he's so, wow. What a risk that man took. What boldness he has to come to Jesus. And that's what people keep telling us, right? Look over your issue and you just come to Jesus. If you can just get up and come to Jesus. And I was like, but you know what? That would mean that grace is a result of him, right? Wouldn't it be a result of him having the risk and him going after him? And so listen, what I'm about to tell you, you're not going to be able to look in Scripture and find it black and white. But you're also not going to be able to look in Scripture and find it the other way, black and white. So I'm going to share with you my perspective of Jesus and this situation. And you take it how you want to take it. But I'm going to show you where it came from in my mind. Okay? So Mark, Matthew, two different disciples, same story. Matthew's telling his perspective. Mark's telling his perspective. Matthew chapter 8. It gives us a little bit more information. When Jesus came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him. A man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And then it goes on like Mark said. So I started researching this because something in this scripture caught my attention. So I started researching. According to theologians and where they think he was, the mountain in which they think he was on, they said it was surrounded kind of all the way around by water. And so when Jesus spoke, it would amplify all the way around the mountain. That's what they say. That's why Jesus chose that spot. Because if you can imagine it, what I'm picturing is Jesus on the mountainside and all of these people down here listening to him. So Jesus knew that if I speak at this place, it will amplify around the entire space. So I started thinking, all right, if I have leprosy, I want to hear Jesus' message. Because I'm hearing that Jesus heals people. But I don't want people to see my issues, right? 
I want to get in the presence of Jesus and not have to announce my issues. Because if I go walk into where all the crowd is, I have to go unclean, unclean, and then people are going to start dispersing, going everywhere. And so I thought, now wait a minute. If I knew that I could go to the other side of the mountain and I could still hear Jesus' sermon, but I didn't have to announce my issues. See what I'm saying? I could go find me a place on that mountain where nobody would know I was there to where I don't have to say unclean, I don't have to do a thing because it doesn't matter because I'm more than 50 paces away or whatever. But I can still hear Jesus' message. So then when I thought about that, then I read Matthew 8. And it said that Jesus went down the mountainside and people followed him, right? Well, if I'm walking into a crowd, you're not following me. If I get off and come towards y'all right now, you're not following me. But if all of a sudden I decide to go this way, and y'all are trying to be in my presence, y'all might get up and follow me. So what I started to think was, Jesus is preaching the Sermon on the Mount, and he knows that the leper is listening. And so he gets up and preaches all of this incredible stuff about the Lord and about, you know, the, the, the salvation and all these different things. He's preaching, he's preaching, and when he's done, he knows there's someone he needs to go get in the presence of. And so instead of this being him coming towards Jesus, I picture Jesus coming towards him. And so he starts going, you know, 40, 39, 38, 35, 36, 34, 30, 29, 28, 27, 26, 25, 24, 23, 22, 21, 20, 19, 18, 17, 16, 15, 14, 13, 12, 11, 10, 9. People are following him. Where's he going? What's Jesus doing? <laughs> uh-huh. All right. He's, man, he is preaching good today, Tim. Oh, my goodness. This is prophetically me talking about myself, right? Where, 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 hey, where's he going? I don't know. He just started walking. Grab the bread. Grab the fish. Let's go. Just start walking. They're following him. Following. Where's Jesus going? Ain't nobody over here. What? We're all here. What's Jesus doing? 12, 13, 10, 11. What have you count? Nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. So it was never about him coming to Jesus. It was always about Jesus going to him. Because grace will seek you out. Grace will chase you down. See, I don't know about you. I didn't find grace. Grace found me. I was in the middle of all that I doing and out of nowhere can I wonder if there's one person in here who would tell me I don't know how I got where I am one day I was doing this and the next day here I was standing in the grace of God because grace Nina will chase you down grace isn't about just preaching there's a method behind grace it doesn't just preach grace it will literally go and find you wherever you are and come to you and because Jesus was there now he kneels grace will chase you down you can run all you want but grace is right behind you you can come into church all you want and try to hide behind your issues try to find you a place where you won't have to call out your issues to be able to hear the message listen it's going to find you it's going to chase you down it's going to seek you out 
Because the grace of God, a long time ago, when he died on the cross, he was signing papers then that were going to set you free today. And we get so concerned. Oh, I know Jesus won't. So how do I, how do, I do this, Troy? Oh, okay. So I come in here, and then I get a church victory specialized wash rag and just wash off and then Jesus comes. No, no, no. Grace brought you here. Grace chased you down, grabbed your hand and said, come on, come on. We're about to go back to Jesus. And so Grace will take you from your situation and listen to me, in all of your issues, every problem, every hang up, everything you don't like about you, everything your wife don't like about you, everything when you look in the mirror you can't stand to see, God will say, I'll take it all because of grace. Because the message is, it's not about how good you are, but it's because you're his. So then I started thinking, all right, watch what Jesus does. Jesus is the son of God. So here's the leper who wants to be healed. And literally in Matthew 8, the next story, Jesus heals a man in another town by speaking. So here we are, my whole crew, leper. The one thing you don't do is you don't touch a leper. You don't do that. Jesus could have spoke healing, right? Jesus could have grabbed a sheet of paper, wrote healing, folded it into a little airplane, thrown it, shoo, boom, hit him in the head, healing. He could have picked up dirt and been like, douche, healing. He could have done anything he wanted to do, but he understood that his methods will communicate his message. And so it's important in not just what he does, but how he does it. So here's a man that for however many years has believed that his issues make him untouchable. And verse verse 41 says that he reached out his hand and he touched the man. So when I picture, I picture it like this. He comes in, right? Jesus touches him like this. He's felt, listen, listen, he hasn't felt touch in years. He hadn't been able to hold his baby. He hadn't been able to hug his wife. He hadn't been able to hug his friend. And everybody that's went around him has treated him and isolated him because of his issues. And Jesus embraces him. The method is to touch him. Is to touch him. Listen, his perfection is not intimidated by your imperfection. And grace is not you cleaning yourself, but it's letting the dirtiest of you be touched by the righteousness of him. See what I mean? So I was thinking about this, and I'm like, man, what an illustration. What a moment. And I thought, well, well, somebody might say, well, wait a minute. Jesus didn't get leprosy, right? I mean, this illustration would kind of say that, like, like Jesus took it upon himself, which the Bible says, put our iniquities, right? But but you could you could say, well, well, his method didn't give him leprosy. You're right. 
So maybe I'm miscommunicating grace again. Maybe, I tell you, I tell you what, take your shirt off. The, the color one, not all of them, because this ain't that kind of church, all right? So just take. Don't go anywhere. Can I show you something? Remember one of the things I said about lepers back in the day is that they had to live outside of the camp. So they were put in lonely outside places. Imagine coming to church and me saying, you got to stay in the parking lot. You can come, but you got to stay in the parking lot. You had to be outside lonely places. So verse 43 says, Jesus sent him away at once with the strong warning, see that you don't tell this to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing and as a testimony to them. And instead, the leper went out and began to talk freely, spreading the news. And as a result, as a result of Jesus' embrace with the leper, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed outside in lonely places. It wasn't just the embrace. He replaced him. It wasn't just, it was, you used to be in the outside place, and I was on the inside. And because of my embrace, now I'm on the outside, and you're on the inside. Because the method of grace was always replacement. That's the gospel. The gospel is that you and I were destined for hell because of our sins. And Jesus came and replaced us on a cross and took all of our issues and despite our issues, put them publicly on a cross. Remember the guy who was beside him? He had spent his entire life in his issues. And he said, look, I believe. I, I believe you are the Messiah. And Jesus says, today you will be with me in paradise because my gospel and my message is I came to replace you so that you could have eternity in heaven. Close your eyes. Jesus was always strategic about his methods because his method communicated his message. And I just want to challenge you this morning. If you're in this place and maybe you've never quite heard the gospel explained this way, maybe it was explained a different way. I came to tell you this morning that the method by which Jesus operates in is a method of replacement and you don't you're not identified by your issues and you don't have to hide behind your issues Jesus came for your issues he came to set you free the Bible says you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth and you shall be saved so I want to ask you this morning if you'd say Troy look for whatever reason 
Maybe it's because you've never been in a church. Maybe it's because you've never been in a church that's communicated it in a way that you could clearly understand it. But you would say this morning, I want to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. I want to be able to be open about my issues, and I want to be able to acknowledge that he came to replace me in my sin. Do me a favor. Would you just raise your hand for a second? Just raise your hand. Praise God. Thank you. Keep on just for a second. God is so good. Put them down. Lord, I pray right now for every person in this room that we could clearly understand the message and the method of you, Jesus. I pray right now for those who are saying they want to open up their lives to you. They want to commit their life to you. If that's you, you raised your hand. I tell you what, I'm going to do this real quick for everybody. I'm going to ask you to repeat something after me and then I'm going to continue to pray. So everybody in this room, would you say this to me? Say, Jesus, I know I have issues, but I am not identified by my issues. Thank you, Jesus, for the message of grace. And thank you for the method. Thank you that your word says that you replaced me. You took my place on that cross. And because of that sacrifice, I get to have my sins forgiven. And I get to spend eternity in heaven with you. I believe in my heart and I confess with my mouth that you, Lord, are my Savior. Help me to follow you. Help me to live for you. And help me to share the message of Jesus. Lord, I come right now broken before you. So thankful for the replacement. So thankful for the method of grace and so thankful for the message of grace. God, you're faithful. Every person that was in this room this morning, you had them here for a reason to be able to hear your gospel. And so, God, we just worship you. Come on, just begin to worship him in your own way. We thank you, Lord, for who you are. We thank you for grace. We thank you for the gospel. We thank you for the cross. We thank you for your sacrifice. We thank you, Jesus, that we are forgiven because of what you did on the cross. And that we don't have to hide behind our reason.